Chapter 7 of Secretary Hawkins in Cuba. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Katerina. Secretary Hawkins in Cuba by Secretary Hawkins. Contents of the will. To say I was surprised to find Link's Uncle Lucio standing before me is putting it mildly. I had not been favorably impressed with Uncle Raphael, and I hoped that Uncle Lucio would prove better. But what could I think of him now, when I had seen him following us on the ship as we came over to Cuba, and I had met him coming out of Montilla's office, just before the Cuban lawyer discovered his copy of the will stolen, and now again I had seen him in the act of searching the room of Uncle Raphael. Indeed, things were very mysterious to me. But he stood before me, smiling, holding out his hand. So I took it and shook it heartily. I am glad to know you, Uncle Lucio, I said, but I must say that I don't understand how things are going around here. Believe me, if I were your nephew, Link Lambert, I would think that I was being duped. Lucio waved his hand and laughed. My nephew, he said, has not seen me yet. He was a baby when I saw him last. That was just before I went to college in the United States. Ah, I said, I was just wondering where you learned to speak English so well. Yes, he said, I finished at Princeton, 1910. I always liked the United States. Indeed, I would live there, were it not for the fact that my work lies here now. When I have finished it, I will go back to the States. You remember that I saw you at Mr. Montilla's office, I asked. He nodded. Yes, he said. I had business there. I can guess what it was, I remarked, and I suppose you succeeded, for the copy of the will was missing after you left. I had thought that Lucio would have been angry when I said this, but he smiled broadly. Certainly it was missing, he said. I carried it away in my pocket, but it was a disappointment. It was not the true will. It was only a copy. I am very anxious to see that will, which my brother Raphael got so carefully. He had never let you see it, then, I asked in some surprise. Lucio laughed. Never, he replied. You don't know my brother, Raphael Peralta. He has no liking for his younger brother. I have my reasons for doubting his good faith in the matter of this will. But we shall see this afternoon, when the document is read to us. I must go now. I would not want him to see me in the house at this hour. He gave me another smile and was gone. I scarcely heard his tiptoe down the stairs. What a queer man, I thought to myself. I did not like the idea of brothers fighting each other. But somehow or other, I liked Lucio better than Raphael. I liked him too, in spite of the fact that there had been times when he seemed to be nothing less than a burglar, searching places for something, which now I knew to be the will. What, I said to myself, is in this will anyway, that makes Raphael and Lucio so anxious about it? What does it mean to Link? Are they trying to cheat him out of what is his by right of birth? But all I could do was to wait and see what happened. When Doc and Link came up to our rooms to prepare for the meeting at which the will was to be read, I told them all about my meeting with Lucio and what he said. Doc seemed a bit worried, but Link smiled. I like my Uncle Lucio for that, he said. Half an hour later, we went down to the large library, 
where a small group of men were seated around a long table. At the head sat Uncle Rafael Peralta and his lawyer, Montilla. On one side sat Lucio, with a strange man whom I took to be his lawyer, as afterward it proved to be. And beside Lucio sat another person, whose presence there made me wonder a little. It was the red-haired man, with a pointed beard, whom I had seen watching me on the train, and had seen later in company with Lucio on the boat as we came across the gulf. Uncle Raphael motioned for Doc to take seats across the table, facing Lucio and his companions, and we did so. Montilla pushed back his chair and stood up. Gentlemen, he said, we are here to understand the terms of the will of the sister of the Peralta brothers, who was the mother of this American boy. Senor Rafael Peralta does this for you, so that all may know what to expect from the document. The house and all the belongings are bequeathed to her son, Lincoln Lombard. The fields and cane and the mills go to Rafael Peralta. Doc Waters stood up quickly. How is that? he questioned. You told me when you came to my house that this boy was to get the entire estate. Montilla bowed and smiled. Here is the will, he said, handing over the document. You can read same for yourself. You see, the boy's mother feared that he was too young, and so she turned it over to Uncle Raphael to look after the business for the boy until he grew to be a man. Doc took the will and read it slowly. During the silence while he was reading it, Lucio looked at me, and I saw that he had anger in his eyes. I see, said Doc after he finished reading. The whole estate becomes the boy's as soon as he reaches the age of twenty-one, and until that time he will have nothing to say about the cane fields or the mills, but is allowed to run the house as he directs. That is correct, spoke up Uncle Raphael Peralta. Pardon me, spoke up Lucio, but as an uncle of this boy, I would like to know just exactly all the terms of the will. Supposing business is not good and the Casanova plantation fails, is Uncle Raphael to make good the losses or is the estate to be allowed to go to ruin? Everybody looked up at this unexpected question. Uncle Raphael glared at his brother Lucio. We will explain all when the time comes. He spoke sharply. Lucio acted as though he had not heard Raphael. May I see the signature on the document? He asked. Uncle Raphael thumped his fist on the table. No, he yelled. I will not stand for insults from a younger brother who should treat me with more respect. But Montilla walked over to Lucio with the document and allowed him to glance at the signature. As he did so, Lucio seemed to glance up at the top of the page and read what was printed there. Then he looked up and beckoned to Doc Waters. I assume that you are acting as unofficial guardian for that boy, he said. Doc nodded. I am, he replied. It is good for you to know, then, continued Lucio, that there are also other provisions in this will, perhaps as they should be. It seems that this boy's mother never forgave his father for stealing her baby from her. Anyway, she does not mention his name in the will. Should the boy die before he reaches the age of 21, the entire estate will be placed in the hands of his uncle Raphael Peralta. Doc Waters nodded his head and walked over to Lucio. Show me that paragraph, please, he asked. And he read as Lucio's forefinger pointed the lines, while Montilla held fast to the document. You see, explained Uncle Raphael Peralta, my sister was very dear to me. 
I always looked after her when her faithless husband deserted her and took away her only child. She always came to me when she was in need, and for my advice always. She wanted me to find her boy. It was her last wish before she died. And I have done so, as you see. He swung his big, hairy hand with a patronizing gesture toward Link. The poor old skinny guy sat there as if he didn't understand a word. I think he did, however, for his eyes were wet, although he refused to let this crowd of foreigners witness him crying. Doc came over to me and whispered, You and Link go outside, Hawkins, before he starts crying again. Wait for me in the side yard, under the palms. Poor old skinny guy. I took his arm and together we went out. There, on the old carved stone bench, under the shade of those palms, we said and said nothing. We should have known better than to bring up the subject of his mother's death again so soon. I knew how he felt about that. All of his life he had been hoping for one thing. All of the hardships and poverty he had undergone with his shiftless, roaming daddy were cheerfully accepted because he hoped and expected some day, somewhere, somehow, to see his mother. And every time we brought it to his mind again, it broke him up. He cried again there, under those palm trees, and I felt sorry for him. Cheer up, Link, I said. There are brighter times ahead. I heard a stir beside us, and, looking down, saw Link's pet goat there, rubbing his side against his new master's legs. Link forgot his crying as he bent down and patted the black and white neck. Good old Davy, he said, and the goat seemed to like his new name. You see, Hawkins, Link explained, Ever since he did me that good turn, I got an awful liking for the stern goat. Doc came out of the house within the hour, and beside him walked Montilla and Lucio. Lucio's lawyer and the red-haired man with the pointed beard walked away in the opposite direction. After a few words spoken together, Montilla shook hands and went to his auto, while Doc and Lucio came on toward us. It does not seem fair, Doc was saying, that you have been left entirely out of the will, Mr. Lucio. It isn't fair, no, said Lucio, but it was my sister's wish, and so I abide by it. But I have not finished yet, Senor Waters. I believe I am what you call a Sherlock Holmes. Maybe I will find yet a nigger in the woodpile. He smiled as though he was proud of his knowledge of English manner of expression, and Doc smiled back. Good, said Doc. You must come to see us again, Lucio. You will find Link and Hawkins good company. Lucio pointed his finger at me and laughed. Oh, Hawkins, yes, he said. I know him. I think perhaps we can make Link a member of our party when we go hunting. Or maybe we will go fishing, yes? There are lots of sharks and they should be caught. Link brightened up at once. Oh, Uncle Lucio, he said. That would be great sport. I never caught bigger fish than mudcats. I want to catch a big whopper. Can we really fish for sharks? Do they come near to the shore? How far out in the sea must we go to catch them? Lucio smiled. Oh, he replied, sometimes we need not go far to find a shark. There was a moment's silence. Then Lucio, walking over to Doc, said, I believe you understand, Dr. Waters. I am not satisfied with the will that my sister left. It does not sound like her. She was so good, so fair-minded, and I am proud to say that she loved me and thought a great deal of me. I was not here when she died. I doubted even whether or not it was a genuine will. 
That is why I was so anxious to see it before I did anything. I ran the risk of being taken for a burglar several times, just to see the will. Even today, while Montilla read it, I said to myself, it cannot be my sister's will. That's why I was so anxious to see the signature. I know her signature, as I know my own, for she wrote me letters every week when I was at school in the United States. Well, said Doc, as Lucio paused. You saw the signature on the will this afternoon. Was it your sister's handwriting? Lucio nodded his head slowly. It was genuine, he said. My sister signed that will. Doc made no comment. And Lucio, assuring us that he would see us soon again, bid us goodbye and walked down the path. We watched him as he refused the gate and vaulted lightly over the fence, sprang upon a saddled horse waiting for him and galloped away. A fine fellow is Lucio, said Doc, half to himself. Now I wonder just what he meant about those sharks. Had we but known then what Lucio really meant, we would not have been so carefree as we began to be, or if we had known just one-tenth part of what was in store for us, I think we really would have rather braved the sea nest of the real sharks than what we had to face and fight later. End of The Contents of the Will Recording by Katerina